Well, today we're starting a brand new three-week series called Reach Out. Have you ever wondered how a preacher comes up with all those different sermons week after week? I have too. (laughs) But I want to tell you how this particular series came about. It started in a casual conversation with one of our deacons. Just just in a casual conversation, one of our uh, deacon friend I was talking to about five weeks ago. We were talking about COVID. We were talking about, you know, how strange it is trying to do ministry in this environment, that kind of thing. And, and he said, you know, with COVID and social distancing and all of that, he said, I think the tendency is to not engage people as much. And then he said, but we don't need to pull back. This is a time we need to reach out. When he said that, it just kind of lodged in my heart. And after he left, I went into my study, and, and it was just a casual, friendly conversation. And, and when I went into my study, I kept thinking about that. And so in my study on my whiteboard, uh, it still says on the top of my whiteboard, I wrote these words, don't pull back, reach out. I've been looking at that whiteboard every day for about five weeks. Don't pull back, reach out. That's really where this sermon and this series was born. Day after day, being confronted with that truth, don't pull back, reach out. I want you to think about the words that we've all been using in the last seven or eight months. Words like isolation, quarantine, social distancing, six feet apart, lockdown, work from home, virtual learning. It's almost as if our vocabulary is conditioning us to pull back and insulate ourselves from the people around us. But life is just not the same at a distance. My friend was right. We don't need to pull back. This is a time we need to reach out because this is a time when people need the gospel now more than ever. And it may be that this is the time that people are open to the gospel now more than ever. Now, I recognize that the world in which we're living is kind of a tense kind of a world right now. COVID seems to be resurfacing and resurging. The presidential election is in a mess, and who knows where all of that's going to lead. The future, in general, just seems to be unsettling with the economy and work and everything. It just all seems to be unsettled right now. And you add to that that many people are struggling during this time. They're struggling with what they're going through. Many people are lonely. Many people are hurting. Many people are afraid. And they need answers. And they need truth. And they need hope. But most of all, many of them need Jesus. And if we're not careful, in this time that is so strange for all of us, if we're not careful, we will convince ourselves that we need to pull back. We will convince ourselves that with all that's going on in the world, people are in, aren't interested. Now, I was reading a book recently, in fact it was just this week, by Lloyd John Ogilvy that was written in 1974. And I tell you that, that it was written in 1974 because I want to emphasize it was before social media. He wrote this book in 1974 and it sounds like he could have written it this week. But here's what he said, and I quote from the book. Why is it that often people know more about our political point of view and our personal prejudices than what it means to experience the adventure of life in Christ? Wow. 
Why is it people know where you stand politically, but they may not know a whole lot about where you stand with the Lord? Why is it it's so easy to get online and talk about what's wrong with America and, and, and all the politics and all that, but it's so hard for us to tell people about the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ? Why is it we have the tendency when it comes to our faith to pull back rather than reach out? There are several places in the New Testament where people logically could have pulled back. If you start looking at your Bible from that perspective, there are several places in the the New Testament where people logically could have pulled back, but they chose instead to reach out to the people around them with the hope of the gospel. One of those times is found in Philippians chapter 1. Would you open God's word with me? to that New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me give you the context for those of you who are here, those who are watching online, those who are watching in the Life Center. Thank you for tuning in. But for everyone, let me give you the context of Philippians chapter 1, really the context for the whole letter. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter And when he wrote this letter, he was actually in a prison cell in Rome. He wrote this letter to a church that he helped plant in Philippi. He's in prison for Rome, not because he did something wrong. He's in prison in Rome because he has been preaching the gospel faithfully. And it resulted in him being in prison, incarcerated for years. If there's ever a time in Paul's life that it would seem like this is the time to pull back, it would be now. And yet, this is what Paul wrote, chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now based on the way that Paul was living his life out as he was quarantined in a prison cell in Rome, I want to share with you two truths that will help us live our lives out in a similar manner. Here's the first thing I want you to get. Number one, what happens to us can give us new opportunities for gospel conversations. Everything that happens to us can give us new opportunities for gospel conversations. More than anything else, Paul's desire was to take the gospel to Rome. As a missionary, he knew that Rome was one of the major cities of the world, and if he could take the gospel there, the gospel could spread out across the Roman Empire. It was his desire to take the gospel to Rome. And Paul did get to go to Rome, but he did not go as a preacher, he went as a prisoner. And the story is told, we don't have time to look at it, but the story is told in Acts chapters 21 through 28. And Paul if he wanted to, could have written a lot about everything that happened to him on his journey to Rome. He could have talked about being illegally arrested in Jerusalem at the temple. He could have talked about falsely being accused of desecrating the temple. He could have written about sitting in a prison for two years in Caesarea Philippi because of mere politics. He could have talked about his journey to Rome on a ship and being shipwrecked and stranded on the island of Malta for, two, for uh, three months. He could have talked how, about eventually making his way to Rome, where he was incarcerated and virtually forgotten. Nobody would have blamed Paul 
if he had decided to back off and just focus on how hard his life had been. To back off and just focus on all the bad things that had happened to him. Nobody would have blamed him if he had done that. Nobody would have blamed him if that had been the focus of his letter. Just talking about how hard life had become and how bad life had been in the last several years. Nobody would have blamed him. But Paul summarized that entire experience with these words in verse 12. The things that have happened to me. That's all he said about them. Look how he phrases it in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now I love that phrase, advance the gospel. If you don't have it marked yet in your Bible, that'd be a good phrase to underline, highlight in your Bible. Advance the gospel. The word advance has the idea of going into new territory. It literally, the Greek word is the idea of cutting your way through the woods into new territory. As if you've got an uh, a axe or something in your hand and you're chopping down all the brush and the small trees and you're cutting your way into new territory. That's the word advance. Paul says, I want you to understand something. All the stuff that has happened to me over the last several years, much of it not good, all the stuff that has happened to me has served a purpose to advance the gospel into new territory. Uh, Paul was saying, listen, I've had new opportunities to share the gospel that I would not have had in another way, any other way. Max Lucado calls these types of experiences backfires of hell. Let me explain what he means. He said, whatever Satan does to try to hinder the gospel, it always seems to backfire in his face. He said, for example, Satan thought that if he put Paul the missionary in prison, it would stop them, his mission work, and it all backfired on him. He said, rather than silencing Paul, it actually unleashed his pen. Do you recognize that while Paul was in that prison cell there in Rome for a couple of years, that he wrote the letters of Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians, and we're still reading those letters even today? I would say it backfired in a big way, wouldn't you? Lakato went on to say, Satan thought that the arrest and the accusations and the years in prison would cause Paul to give up. But instead, it gave him a chance to speak up. And to such a degree that he reached people with the gospel that he never would have reached any other way. Paul explains that in verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. The whole palace guard. Let me explain that phrase to you. That's the, it's called the Praetorian Guard. There were 9,000 elite soldiers in that guard. And when, if you were a notable prisoner, one of those guards would be chained to you 24 hours a day. And that was what happened to Paul. He had a guard chained to him 24 hours a day. And they would rotate those guards about every six hours. Legend says that Paul led so many of those soldiers to Christ that they kept having to rotate all the guards around. Because every six hours, Paul had a new face to talk to. Every six hours of every day, he had a new face to talk to. And that's why Paul says in verse 13, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Day after day, rather than pull back, day after day, Paul decided to reach out to this new captive audience that he had. Now, I can't tell you the reasons for your trials. I can't tell you the reason that things have happened the way that they have in your life. But I can say this, because of what you're going through, there will be people who come across your path that you probably would not have met any other way. 
Because of what you're going through, you probably will have an opportunity to share Christ with someone you never would have talked to had you not gone through what you're going through. South Carolina Baptist Convention, uh, back last year and starting in the early this year, they had a, a strategy. They're trying to give focus to, what, to their work as a convention. And they gave one word to their strategy. It was the word advance. And it was a wonderful strategy. It had it well planned. And as the year was starting, they were really starting to get, strateg- or to get traction with this new strategy. Things were starting to come into place and trying to take this large convention of 2,200 churches and, and really get everybody focused and get some traction. And things were happening in a very positive way. And then the pandemic hit. A week or two after the pandemic, after we all kind of caught our breath, remember when it first broke loose, it was like, what do we do? A week or two after the pandemic, Here's the word that started coming out of the state convention often. Rather than just advance, here's the word that we started hearing from state convention. It was advance anyway. I like that. I love that. Advance anyway. And so what they were started saying to churches was, yes, this is a hard time, but advance anyway. Yes, this, these are unprecedented times, but advance anyway. In other words, don't let your circumstances be an excuse to stop doing what God's called you to do. You see, we all have to choose if we're going to pull back or reach out. We all have to decide if we're going to make excuses or make a difference. So let's advance anyway. COVID may be on the rise again in the near future. Let's advance anyway. The presidential election may put this nation into a turmoil like we've never seen. But let's advance anyway. You may end up in the hospital. I may end up in the hospital. But let's advance anyway. You see, we all have to decide if we're going to make excuses or if we're going to make a difference. I think basically what we all need to do, individually, we all need to win the debate. I'm going to talk about a presidential debate. Talk about your debate. You know, whenever, I don't know, maybe you don't do this, but let me tell you about my life. Whenever I have those opportunities, you know, to to say a word for the Lord or to share my faith or to minister somebody, to invite somebody to church, whatever it may be, Whenever you have those opportunities and, and you have that voice that says you need to say something to, the, to them, almost immediately you hear another voice, don't you? And it says something like, no, you don't need to say a word. You need to be quiet. No, no, you don't need to do that. They're not interested. No, this is not the right time. No, th- this is going to be awkward. No, you don't want to make this a bad situation. And, and there's this internal debate. Now, why does that happen? And why does it happen so quickly? I feel like I need to say something, and I feel like immediately there's this debate going on in my head. Could it be Satan is trying to get you to pull back rather than reach out? So win the debate. Speak up when you'd rather shut up. Win the debate. Whenever there's that debate going on, don't pull back. Reach out. Don't back off. Speak up. Paul said it in verse 13. He says, it's clear to everyone. This is Shorter's translation. It's clear to everyone around me that I belong to Jesus Christ. To which I would like to ask you the question, is it clear to everyone around you where you work that you belong to Jesus Christ? Is it clear to everyone around you where you live? That you belong to Jesus Christ over in the Life Center? Is it clear to everyone around you where you go to school that, that you belong to Jesus Christ? Someone said, if a man hears the gospel and receives it, 
God is responsible. If he hears the gospel and rejects it, he is responsible. But if he never hears, I'm responsible. See, what happens to us can give us new opportunities for gospel conversations. Here's the second thing I want you to get from Paul's story, and it's this. Your commitment to advance the gospel gives others confidence to do likewise. I'll say that again. Your commitment to advance the gospel gives others confidence to do likewise. Look how Paul describes this in verse 14. He says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul was saying, because of the way I've been living my life here in the prison cell, because I've been speaking up and reaching out rather than pulling back, it has encouraged the other brothers and sisters here in Rome to do likewise. You see, whenever you see somebody living out their faith and sharing their faith, it gives you the confidence that you could and should do that as well. Now, there's a phrase that I have used that I, I want to remove from my vocabulary. Maybe you have used it as well. It is this this sentence, maybe you've said this, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. Some, I, I can tell some in that. I can't wait for 2020 to be over. It hit me the other day, what is that going to solve? Do I really believe that when we flip the calendar page that all of a sudden everything's going to go back to the way it was? No. I mean, is, is, are we really believing that at the end of this year, buddy, January 1, everybody will be well, there won't be any problems, we won't have... No. We're going to be in this mess as we go into 2021. So, why, why are you talking about that, Pastor? Because sometimes your opposition is your greatest opportunity. Sometimes the problems we encounter are our greatest opportunity to tell people why we have hope and to tell people who Jesus is. Look what Paul says in verse 14. I want to make sure you get this. Because of my chains, because of the problems I've been going through, because of what I have suffered, because I'm in this prison cell, because of my chains, most of the brothers, notice he didn't say all the brothers, because not everybody's always going to buy into it. Not everybody's going to be on the bus with you. But most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Apparently the Christians in Rome had grown fearful. And I would understand that living in that day and time. Apparently they were pulling back and probably I might have been in that camp as well because that's a hard place to be a Christian. And there's a Serious consequences to trying to live out your faith in Rome. But Paul was living in a prison cell because of his faith in Christ. And when the brothers and sisters in the Lord saw the way he lived his life, it encouraged them to live out their life too. I want to tell you a story before I close. Uh, it's, two pastors went to a ball game, a baseball game in Los Angeles to see the Dodgers play. And as they were at this ball game, they were sitting down the third base line, had good seats, sitting down the third base line, they were just sitting there talking. And they noticed as they were sitting there watching this game that down to their left, several seats down to the left, was a mother and a little boy, a young boy, about 12 years old. And the boy was, was blind. And they could hear the mom explaining to the boy every play. Oh, that was a strike. That was a ball. He just hit it to second base. 
Every play, she was describing everything that happened at the baseball game. But the thing that really caught their attention was every play, this little blind 12-year-old boy was holding his glove up like this, hoping to catch a foul ball. Every play, they said, he'd hold his glove up, hoping to catch a foul ball. This preacher who's telling the story said, around the fifth or sixth inning, all of a sudden, this foul ball goes way up in the air, and he says, and it's heading right towards me. He said, I, I, to this day, I don't know if it was the wind or the Holy Spirit, but in the downward tra- trajectory, it changed, and it moved away from me and started heading toward that little boy. He said, I did not have the faith to believe that it was going to land in his glove, but I was more concerned it was going to hit him on the head. He said, I watched that, and I wasn't sure what to do, and I watched that ball, and it came down, and it went over his glove, and it went over his head by about an inch and fell behind him. And guys behind him started wrestling for the ball, and it, the ball squirted out, and it rolled down the aisle. And there was another couple sitting down here, and, and they're just sitting there, and they look down, and there's a baseball there. And so they just bend over and pick up the baseball, and she looks at it, and they smile, and she puts it away. So the pastor telling the story said, we sat there and we thought, this story did not end right. The wrong person got the baseball. About two innings later, they couldn't take it anymore. So they decided, I'm going to go ask her if she'll give up that baseball so we can give it to that little blind boy. Because he's still holding his glove up every play. Waiting on a ball to land in his glove. So, about two, two innings later, they, they start to go down there. And, and before the one pastor gets up, the other pastor says, here, here's $20. Maybe she'll do it for 20 He said, well, I got 20 Maybe she'll give it up for 40 So he went down to the lady, and like most preachers, he didn't offer the money first. <laughs> he, he, he went down to the lady and said, ma'am, you see that little boy down there? He's blind. He's been holding his glove up the whole game. Man, would you give up that baseball? Would you give it to me so I could give it to him? And she said, no. He said, ma'am, I'll give you $40 for that baseball. And she said, okay. And she handed, started to hand it to him. And when she started to hand it to the guy... Her boyfriend grabbed her hand and said, no. You're not going to give that to that kid. He said, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Go to a Dodgers game, get a foul ball. That's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We're not giving that baseball to that kid. Preacher said, I know you're not supposed to have bad thoughts when you're a preacher. He said, but I had some bad thoughts that night. He said, I didn't say it to the guy, but what I wanted to say to him was, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? You think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? You're sitting there, you look down, the ball rolls to your feet, you pick it up and you take it home? You think that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? He said, let me tell you what a once Again, he didn't say it, he thought it. What he wanted to say was, let me tell you what a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity would be. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity would be that you sit there and a ball rolls to your feet, you bend over, you pick it up, and you see a little blind boy down there who's never seen anything, much less a baseball, and he's been holding his glove up every play for the whole game. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity would be for you to pick that ball up, walk down there and put it in his glove and say, here's the ball you've been looking for, young man. 
He said, but then I realized a lot of us do that same thing with the gospel. The once in a lifetime opportunity, God in His grace gave you the opportunity to come to faith in Christ. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And then we're just glad that we had that opportunity. And we never help somebody else have that once in a lifetime opportunity. I got so convicted with that story. I've put the ball in, in, in people's gloves before, figuratively. I've helped people come to faith in Christ, quite a few people over the years, but not nearly what I could or should do. And so here's what I've decided. You decide how you want to live this message out. Here's what I've decided. I checked and there are six weeks and five days left in 2020. Six weeks and five days. Tomorrow, I'm going to go buy a baseball. I, I, stole, I borrowed this one out of Jeff's office. I borrowed this one. So tomorrow, I'm going to go get my own baseball. And... Here's what I'm going to do in the, in the next six weeks and five days. I'm just going to be open to the opportunity of people that I come in contact with. Is, is this an opportunity to reach out rather than pull back? And if I have an opportunity to reach out, maybe it's just to invite them to church. I'm going to get their name. I'm going to write it on my baseball. If I have an opportunity to minister to somebody, I'm going to make sure I remember their name. I'm going to write it on my baseball. I have the opportunity to share my faith with someone. I'm certainly going to remember their name. I'm going to write it on my baseball. And I'm going to use that as in my prayer time. It's going to be my prayer ball. For the rest of the year, I'm going to have a baseball in my office. And I hope it's going to have at least, at least six names on it. Hopefully many more than that. But somebody said after the first service, said, Preacher, I think you might need a softball. Give you more writing space. I want to write some names on the baseball, just a reminder. When I was 11 years old, I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to put my faith in Jesus Christ, and it changed my life, and it changed my eternal destiny. And I want to put, give somebody else that same opportunity. You live it out any way you want to. You get your own baseball if you want to. Or you just remember this message and say, God, I don't want to pull back in the last in the last six weeks and five days of this year, and this is the worst year we've ever had. God, I don't want to pull back. I want to reach out. I don't want to pull back. I want to reach out. Maybe it's just inviting people to come to church. That's a big step, and maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe could you do it one time in the last six weeks and five days of 2020? Just invite one person to church, and if you invited one person, you may be encouraged to do it again. Maybe you just meet somebody's need, and if you do it once, you may be encouraged to do it again. Maybe you actually share your testimony with somebody, and if you did it once in the last six weeks and five days, you might be encouraged to do it again. Our tendency is to pull back, isolate, and insulate. And in reality, this is the time we need to reach out. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Let's share good news with 
people who desperately need to hear it. Pray with me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to close with this statement from Dr. Matt Queen. Because sometimes when people hear something like this, they'll say something like, you know, Pastor, I really would like to do that. I, that's something I always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be, you know, a little more bold in my faith. And, uh, but, but I just don't feel like I know enough to do what you're talking about. Dr. Matt Queen said this, If you know enough to be saved, you know enough to tell someone how they can be saved really do. If you know enough to be saved, you know enough to tell somebody how they can be saved too. Just tell them what happened to you. Just tell them what you did. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ. I pray that you'll let this be your motto for the rest of the year. Use it however you want to use it. Write it on your kitchen whiteboard. Write it on your mirror. Just Put it on a 3 by 5 card, but just kind of let this be your motto for the last six weeks and five days. This is the motto. Don't pull back. Reach out. Father, help us to do that. Individually, give us opportunities. And when we're tempted to pull back, help us to reach out. When we're tempted, Lord, to, uh, to shut up, help us to speak up. Thank you that for many of us, we've had that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to put our faith in Christ. And if there's any here listening or watching online and they've not yet done that, I pray that today would be the day that they turn from their sin and they just cry out from their heart, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Come into my life and make me a new person. I pray they'll make that, that statement of faith today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in His name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.